Welcome to the Criminal Mind Podcast. Featuring your host, Rajveer Singh, along with a special guest. Welcome to the first season of the Criminal Mind, everyone. We are here with a very special guest, Nishan Verma. Thank you, Rajveer, for having me with you. It's a pleasure to be here today. Today, I'd like to discuss the show with the detectives, specifically Season 2, Episode 4, and share thoughts and opinions with the audience. Firstly, I'd like to ask the questions you had about the show before watching it. Well, many questions came to mind, but I was mostly curious about the suspect. Questions like, did the suspect know the child? What age group did the suspect belong to? And how was the suspect found after investigators identified the suspect with DNA evidence? It was really it really had me thinking about all the possible outcomes for this case. I'd like to ask you questions you had before watching this episode as well. Those are some really interesting questions, Nishan. I was mostly curious about the child's death herself. I had many questions, such as was the child alone when he or she was kidnapped? Was the child found or did the case remain unsolved? And was the child related to the suspect in any way? <laughs> I'm sure you were. It's a fascinating case after all. I was hoping to see my questions end up in a more positive note, but I guess it was much expected. Yeah, it was a fascinating case. Now I'd like to ask you some of the issues you noticed that were investigated in the show. I mean, where do I start? I noticed that the kids were not safe in their own residential area, which is a big concern for the neighborhood. Nobody would want to send their kids out knowing that there is someone kidnapping children. And then, you see, even after Matthew verbally described the suspect, it was quite frustrating for the detectives to find him, as there were many similar faces. They were able to catch the suspect, but after further investigation, he kept denying to give a blood sample, which is really important to confirm that he was the one who assaulted her. What about you? What did you have? Yeah, I agree. And adding on to what you said about the suspect denying the blood sample, they used DNA evidence but it was contaminated and was not readable. So the only way to convict the suspect, Bruce, of the crime was to interrogate him. Yeah, another way the investigators convicted him of the crime was from the two women he assaulted before. But he didn't admit to them, he didn't admit to assaulting them at first. Yeah, and the crazy thing was that those two women that were assaulted by him were around the same age as Jackie, which was the girl that was kidnapped and killed in this case. And she was only eight years old. Another thing that drastically stood out to me was the fact that they had to use a technique inspired by another crime scene investigator where they had to blame the victim of the incident. Hmm. Wasn't that the technique inspired by the investigator that interrogated Ted Bundy? Yes, it was. But after listening to his technique, the investigator that was interrogating Bruce was disgusted and not comfortable using it because he thought it was wrong for him to blame Jackie for what happened to her. But he reconsidered it and agreed to use this since he wanted to bring Bruce justice. Well said. It must have been hard for the detectives, especially Mike, but it was well worth it. Now, let's move on and talk about the legal issues in the justice system related to this case. One problem that stood out to me in particular is that the justice system may wrongly accuse an innocent person of a crime because they look similar to the suspect or match the description. This causes problems because an innocent person can be accused of a crime even though they did not do it and their life can be ruined. Therefore, eyewitnesses are not always reliable. 
There could be difficulty in the justice system if interrogators cannot make the suspect confess to the crime. Did you want to talk about any other legal problems you discovered while watching? Yeah, I do. And an important one is if a suspect does not consent to giving a blood sample. This causes a problem in the justice system because if investigators cannot use a blood sample to confirm that the person they have arrested is the one who committed the crime, then that person cannot be convicted of it. It should be mandatory to give a blood sample if the crime is severe. So if DNA evidence happens to get contaminated, they could use a blood sample to prove that the person they have arrested is a suspect. Yeah, now that I think about it, I totally agree with your point. Because this could severely impact someone's life if the wrong person was arrested, which leaves the real suspect out in the open. Are there any other topics you wanted to talk about? I heard that you have a degree in criminology, and I wanted to ask if you could make any connections with what you have learned through this episode. Sure. So in criminology, we learn about actus rea and mens rea. Actus rea is when someone commits a crime, and mens rea is showing intent to commit it. This was shown in the detectives when the investigators could not use blood sample since Bruce did not uh, consent to giving it, and the DNA evidence was contaminated. So investigators had to make Bruce confess to convict him of the crime, which is mens rea. They already had the actus rea, which is when Bruce kidnapped Jackie and killed her. But they needed the mens rea to prove that Bruce had intent to commit the crime. After watching season 2, episode 4 of The Detectives, I realized that eyewitnesses aren't very reliable in general when it comes to finding out who the suspect is. The witness can get confused and often forgets, which causes them to mistake someone else as a suspect. So, for example, when the investigator's nephew was asked to identify the suspect who uh, kidnapped Jackie, he had trouble choosing who it was from the picture of possible suspects, but he managed to identify the suspect after a while. Yeah, in criminology, we learn that eyewitnesses are not always reliable source of evidence because they often forget how the suspect looks or might confuse them for someone else. So to conclude this episode of The Criminal Mind, did you enjoy the uh, show The Detectives? I did. Since it gives the audience a more realistic approach to how investigations happen, because usually when we watch interrogation scenes in movies, the way they interrogate the suspect is not really how it works in real life. I enjoyed it because I learned how investigations happen and how investigators gather evidence. I also learned how police interrogations work, and this was somewhat realistic compared to interrogations in the movies, which are exaggerated. But I do wish to show the court trial of the suspect because they briefly mentioned it, but did not show the suspect actually going to court and him hiring a lawyer to defend his case. Yeah, I wish they showed that as the episode felt short and kind of rushed. Deshaun, who would you recommend the show to? Because I'm very curious as to who would want to watch a show about criminal investigations. I would recommend the show to people who do not know much about police investigations or how interrogations work in criminal law, because it gives a better insight into how they work in real life. People who watch documentaries would enjoy this show since it has that type of film style. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Deshaun, I want to thank you for being the first guest on the Criminal Mind podcast. Thank you for having me once again. I hope the audience has a better insight on how criminal investigations and interrogations work compared to real life to what they see on the screen.